vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly every episode, exactly 20 years after its original air date. Which means today we're talking about something blue, um, which also means, let's just go ahead and uh, get it out there. The next episode we're going to talk about of Buffy is Hush. Hush is one of almost everybody's top five episodes of Buffy, and I think for me as well, that would probably be accurate. Um, Yeah, probably. It's just, it's awesome. It's, yeah. We are going to have to, let's just get the business shit out of the way. There'll be no episode to talk about next week. Um, actually, the only episode we're going to talk about throughout the rest of 2019 is Hush, and that's going to be two weeks from today on December 14th. You guys, I have to tell you, um, so uh, just to set the scene for you guys, because I like to do that. Every week since I've been recording at night, since it gets dark super early and I usually have to work on Saturdays, um, every week when I record... I've just sort of added more and more candles every week. So today we've got two, four, six candles in here um, and incense. So it's just getting like more and more ritualistic. <laughs> like every week I add a candle and today there's also incense. But I feel sort of creepy because I'm like fully witching out in my um, my tiny nook, which is what I call, it's basically just kind of an oversized closet which is where my um my desk and everything is um where I record my podcast for you guys and um so I'm sitting in here with all my candles lit and my incense and I look over and there's a window in my tiny little closet which is one of the reasons why I can have it as like an office space because there's a window so it makes it feel less tiny and I look over and so like our next door neighbors, and we live in like a, a very suburban, like super close together houses, you know, like our houses are only a few feet apart. And our next door neighbors are, they don't usually hang out in their front room, but their front room downstairs, so I'm upstairs, so their front room downstairs, they're all like the whole family is hanging out in there together right now. <laughs> like sitting on the couch and like there's kids running around and I just feel kind of like the weird witch lady next door (laughs) burning candles and incense and talking into her recorder all I would have to do is close my curtain and then I wouldn't feel weird it makes me feel weird because I'm upstairs and they're downstairs so every time they're in their front room there's no like curtains or anything on the windows that face me so it makes me feel weird because I'm the type of person that just stares out my window You know what would be cool? If I could have some sort of shade that only covers the bottom half of the window. Because I really like looking out the window because my house is really tall, so I can actually look over the tops of the roofs of other houses in the neighborhood, and I like to sort of stare out the window. But um, I'm afraid that they would look over and think that I was staring at them whenever they're in that room. (laughs) But if I had... I had a shade that covered just the bottom window pane, then I could cover it and they would have no idea that I'm staring out the window because I'd be looking out the top half of the window and I wouldn't see them at all if I was looking out the top half of the window. Okay, I'm just going to move 
move my incense out of the windowsill and close the curtain just because I don't want people to think I'm staring at them and I have this I got it from my dad um, I have this sort of like thousand yard stair thing and I, I don't exactly know what it looks like but I know that I have it because I do it I like will completely space the fuck out sometimes and um, I know that with my dad in particular whenever he would do that it would look like he's staring at someone and I don't want someone to think that okay anyway so that's what's going on with me how are you guys how was your Thanksgiving um, like I said I would kind of rather not celebrate Thanksgiving however it's not a choice that I have in my family um, and it's it's only because I just don't like the where it came from the origins of it like I explained last week when we talked about pangs um, so I've already said all that so you've probably already heard it so I won't go back into it but it was still a good day we had good food hung out with the family and my, my grandma always makes so much that we end up I think she calls it a remix like we'll go we went over like the Friday the day after and we always have lunch together me and my family on Sunday so we'll be going over there tomorrow to eat more leftovers and at that point we'll probably be close to done with everything after like three full meals with all of us um, so that's a nice thing that it's just like at least when it comes to uh, for me personally my benefit of Thanksgiving is I get fed without having to think about it for like four days straight you know and I get fed well like I actually felt on Thanksgiving night I had this moment where this is gonna sound kind of pathetic but I was sitting around and I was thinking I am like satiated like I, I mean it's not like I starve myself I don't but like I felt like I was like I had eaten something good like I had eaten a variety of foods that I don't normally eat I felt like I had eaten healthy almost by eating Thanksgiving dinner just because it was such a combination of foods um, it was just like a warm in my belly feeling and that was nice <laughs> so I hope that you guys got to have the warm in the belly feeling um, and I did have to work today but besides that I got a chunk of time off from I got Tuesday through Friday off for um, from this week and then I get tomorrow off Sunday so um, it's been nice and I'm heading into next week is gonna be hairy like I work I work like every day and I have to clean two houses because um, my other job I, I work part-time at a library and I clean houses to supplement the rest of the income that I need um, so it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big week <laughs> but this this last week was kind of restful which was nice and I got to see my best friend Kim who lives in Florida she was in town for a couple of days so I got to spend some quality time with her and I haven't actually seen her for two and a half years which is like the longest that we've ever gone without seeing each other it's just it's kind of impossible for me with a mortgage to go on a huge road trip like that because I live in Missouri so going all the way to Florida is like a 20 plus hour drive and I don't like to fly if I can help it so um, 
it's a thing and I really don't do it um, anymore. I really don't travel that much anymore. And by and large, I don't really like traveling that much. Anyway, you guys aren't here to listen to me babble about myself. You're here for the Buffy talk. If you do enjoy listening to me babble about myself and you'd like to hear more of it, I do it every single week on my radio show. Um, I guess I haven't really promoted that to you guys in a long time. So if you don't know, I do have a weekly radio, internet radio show. It's called Mixtress Radio, and the way that you get to it, I'm sure you can just Google it, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S, radio, spelled the normal way, or you could um, go to the link directly. It's it's a kind of like you have to be there at the right time kind of thing, um, and it's myradiostream.com slash radio. Again, that's myradiostream.com slash radio, And it is every Friday from 7 to 10 Central Daylight Time. However, if you don't want to remember all that shit, and you do want to try out um, to see if you care about Mixtress Radio, um, you can become a patron of mine and my, um, my radio show podcast. I turn like the talking segments of my radio show into a podcast. I just cut them all together as one long clip as a podcast episode. And I have those available for my patrons. So if you want to become one of my patrons, it would super duper a lot help me out. And I would be so, so grateful. And you would get to have those, uh, mixtress radio broadcasts, which is where I talk about like personal stuff, existential stuff, philosophical stuff. Um, feminist rants, you know, all that shit. Um, so if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash mixtress Ray is how you get to that. And those links are always in the podcast description notes. So I also have a YouTube, like, um, my YouTube is mostly like tarot content and I've also done some ASMR stuff and um, I went through a corset phase a couple of years ago, um, which I'm, I still love corsets, but it was a little bit more hard, hardcore back then. And I was doing like corset reviews and stuff like that for my channel as well. So um, my YouTube channel is just under Mixtress Ray. So if you're interested in the other things that I do out there in the world, um, also my Instagram is under Mixtress Ray. Basically, if you look up Mixtress Ray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E, um, I don't know of any Mixtress Ray besides me. As far as I know, if you look that up, it's going to be me. Um, that's my Tumblr, although I haven't looked at Tumblr in a very long time. So, I mean, you could follow me on Tumblr, but you're going to get nothing from that. <laughs> but it's my Tumblr. It's my Twitter. I also don't look at Twitter. It's my Instagram. It's my YouTube channel. So, and my Patreon. So yeah. Anyway, every once in a while, I got to force myself to promote myself, right? I think I'm stalling because I don't know how much I have to say. I did that thing that I do where I forgot to take notes when I watched the Angel episode. So I don't actually have much notes for the Angel episode. Um, it will truly be a small postscript today because I have like three sentences of notes that go with the Angel episode. But um, I did take pretty thorough notes for something blue. So let's just get into it. 
Okay, um, let's read the summary of the episode from Nikki Stafford's episode guide for Buffy. It is, when Willow tries to cast a spell allowing her will to be done, things begin to go awry. So um, I want to point this out just because I, Nikki Stafford had some interesting notes on this episode that I highlighted um, in the episode guide. So I'm going to read them to you right now. She argued that there are several aspects of this episode that foreshadow what happens in season six. Um, foreshadows a lot of season six. Aside from the Spike Buffy thing, so in addition to that, um, Xander's a demon magnet engaged to Anya. Giles is blind. He's in England and can't see what they're doing. These are all the events that are happening in season six. And Willow is performing magic beyond her control and making life seriously difficult for her friends. This episode is the beginning of Willow's descent into magic addiction. It's a good thing she put the beer down or things would have gotten dangerous. <laughs> so I like that little bit of sarcasm right there. So I had to read that for you guys. But she's absolutely right. Um, I was not specifically thinking to myself, wow, they're foreshadowing season six right now. But I was noticing those little parallels, you know, the the exchange between Willow and Giles in this episode where she's talking about the spell that she did and Giles is like, hey, you probably shouldn't do a spell right now and she gets super defensive. That is definitely echoed in many other conversations that they're, that they're going to have about magic, but this isn't the first. Like we've had moments where Willow gets super defensive, defending her right to do crazy ass spells and Giles is trying to get her to be a little bit more cautious, but he can see the road that she's going down because he's been, a, he's been down it himself. Okay. Let's get into my notes. So the episode opens with Willow sitting in Oz's room and she's sort of surrounding herself by his stuff. And we get the feeling that this is just to show us that she's not over Oz, like she's not okay. Um, but it's, it's very, this is a good way to show that. I think it's very heartbreaking to see her just sitting in the room and like hugging his t-shirts and, and I can, you know, there's the way that this whole thing ended really, it's really heartbreaking when you think about it because like essentially Oz left because he needed to go figure his shit out, you know, figure his life out. Um, which is fine and totally, it, it's valid. Like, it makes sense that he would need to do that right now. However, think, thinking of it from Willow's perspective, like, she, you know, she, it's totally open-ended. She doesn't know if he's going to go away for a week and then come back. She doesn't know if he's going to go for a month, a year, forever. She has no idea if she will ever hear from him again or if he will just come back after a couple of weeks, you know, that makes it a lot harder to move on because she has no closure whatsoever. Um, I don't think that Oz was wrong in deciding to take off and figure himself out. I think he's totally within his rights to do that under the circumstances. However, I think if it were me, if I were Oz, I would hopefully have enough empathy and Oz is a, is a very empathetic person. I would hopefully have enough empathy to call Willow and say, Hey, um, this whole thing is, is taking longer than I thought. And, um, I don't want you to 
hope for me coming back anytime soon. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily that would even help her, but it's not like he can necessarily tell her when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back. He doesn't know that himself, but, um, I don't know. It's just, I can imagine that would be even more painful than just being dumped to not have any clue if he's going to come back or not, you know, because he didn't leave her because he didn't love her. He just left because he had to figure some shit out. Um, so yeah, I don't know, extra painful. And it hit me in a way that it just hasn't before when I really started thinking, wow, she has no way to, to gain any closure in this situation because she has no clue what's going on. The main thing about this episode for me is I love, especially with the consistency of character that we get in Willow's character. I love that they knew this early on. They knew in season four, they knew way before season four that, oh God, it just hit me. We're in season four, guys. We've been doing this podcast for almost four years. Wow. I mean, I was, I started this podcast before I even started this particular project within it, but, um, that's crazy that I've been doing it that long. Sorry, little sidetrack. Um, I'm like, meh. <laughs> I had to open at the library today and apparently I'm going back to personal shit again. Sorry guys. That's the way today's going to be. I swear I will be more focused when we talk about Hush. I'm going to Ugh, I have to work all day that day though. I might record early for Hush just because I want to, I want to be fresh for you guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, anyway, um, I had to open today at the library and we are, we are always closed the Thursday and Friday of Thanksgiving week. Probably just so, you know, the people, the hires up that don't work on weekends get to have a four day weekend. Um, I had to open on today, Saturday. And so it was me opening after we had been closed for two days. So it didn't even occur to me until I was there this morning. Um, we typically, when we open, we get there, the opening person will get there half an hour before the library itself opens. And that was not at all long enough today to do all of my opening duties because like all of like our like overdue notices and stuff that we mail out. We're supposed to process those before we open, but there was like three times as many as usual since, you know, we hadn't been open since Wednesday. And then our like hold list, we print that out in the morning to, to get the holds that have come in overnight to have them ready for people. And that was like two full pages long and it was just, everything was much more overwhelming than usual. Um, really after a holiday like that, we should like, I mean, I am not a fan of getting up early, like being at work at 830 in the morning felt like the crack of dawn to me, but <laughs> I was not able to get the opening duties done. And not all of that stuff has to be done right before we open the doors, but I didn't get my opening duties that ideally we can get done before we open until 1130 today, which was two and a half hours after opening. So it was just, but it was good because like the time went by a little bit faster because I had stuff to do. Um, but anyway, 
You guys are not here for library life talk, <laughs> but if you'd like more of that, check out my um, Patreon podcast or Mixtress Radio every Friday, 7 to 10 Central Daylight Time. <laughs> my routine, being an autistic person, holiday weeks are always nice because you get more time off, but it also messes up my routine. So it throws me, which I don't have that consistent of a routine anyway. Um, I don't have a set schedule at work or anything like that. So my routines always get messed up. So what am I talking about? Okay, let's go back into it. Um, so Willow's in Oz's room. Um, this moment of Riley hanging up the like lesbian alliance um, poster and just, you know, being super cash about it. You know, he didn't try to, like, make excuses. Like, I'm just helping them. You know, he didn't act all weird about it. He was just like, yeah, I'm helping some people hang a sign because I'm tall. I could do that. It was nice. It was just, I don't know. Like, I've told you guys, I really want to like Riley. I'm going into this trying to like Riley, even though in the past I have been very annoyed by him. Let me tell you, they're trying really hard to give him the most $5 mall boring haircut they could possibly give him. And his clothing is awful. It's like too big for him. It's just the most boring. Like, you just want to fall asleep looking at him. And it's not his fault. It's not the actor's fault. It's, it's the styling. And they're doing it on purpose. It's just... It's making it hard to like him. <laughs> um, but this was a cute little moment. So he kind of like asks Buffy out on a picnic date. And it's just sweet little moment. Um, he tells her that she's, you know, she's unexpected. Like he never knows what she's going to say or what she's going to do. And he's like, I'm sorry. Probably every beautiful girl has some jerk telling her she's a mystery, <laughs> but you really are. And I like that. Um, I just liked that. It's just his like sort of bumbling way of flirting with her is so sweet and innocent. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little charmed by Riley this time around. <laughs> As an older woman, I'm able to be charmed by Riley. <laughs> when I first saw um, this particular season, it was... Hmm, 2001, I think, when I first saw it, and I was not at all interested in Riley. But anyway, say, don't you just love a picnic? He actually says that at one point. Like, are you a cartoon character, Riley? I mean, he's just so innocent. Um, uh, but I like, you know, just the juxta juxtaposition between, like, he is the sort of, like, sweet, innocent country boy, but he's also very, he's also, you're able to, like, see him as, like, nobody makes fun of Riley for being sensitive, like, at any point. He's just sweet, sensitive big burly dude, you know, like he's still got the masculine flavor if you're into that kind of thing, but he's so sweet. I don't know. He's the full package, honestly. Um, he's just so boring to look at. Poor guy. Poor guy. Okay. B is already worried. There's no passion with Riley. Okay. 
this is another big like foreshadowing moment so she's having this conversation with willow they're walking through a cemetery i guess willow's just coming with her patrolling and she's whining because willow is just whining this entire episode about being hurt and going through something she keeps saying i'm going through something and blah 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 which totally understandable you know but yeah i can see how it could be very tiring but anyway so um um buffy and willow are talking while they're walking through the cemetery and she's like talking about you know yeah she's she's into riley she thinks he's great um but you know there's not a lot of she just feels like calm and safe around him and you know where's the excitement you know she's used to like the passion that her and angel had and you know i think that's kind of normal i mean this if this were it just this conversation right here and you don't later find out you know that her like penchant for bad boys and all that shit is deep-seated and that's going to be a problem for her and that's a nice moment of foreshadowing but if this were just taken on its own i think that's a pretty normal thing that a lot of women go through like i went through it too you know i had I've definitely had moments in my life where I thought I had to choose between passion and, you know, real sustainable love. And I actually asked, I was, um, visiting, I was with my roommate and we went to visit her grandparents in Ohio. And I remember like her grandma was one of those people that's just like, you know, totally just like off the cuff real about everything and um i asked her you know is that really a thing you know do you have to choose between like passion and security you know can you have one without the other or can you have both or something like that and she was like nope honey you gotta choose <laughs> and um i just i always remembered that and i think that's somewhat true because i mean if you're if you're in a really bipolar relationship and like you know the highs are really high the lows are going to be really low you know it's going to be yeah it's it is sort of like i don't know the balance means that things aren't going to be like super duper exciting but I don't know I think I'd rather I'd rather just have that sort of easy calm you know feeling like you're best friends with the person like I'd much rather have that than you know just be worried all the time and be you know I don't know it's just I guess passion really isn't my thing <laughs> but I like that they're kind of showing this side of Buffy that immediately she's worried about that with Riley and that ends up being the thing that breaks them apart because she is dissatisfied with their completely stable dependable relationship that's not enough for her she wants drama and unfortunately that doesn't work for her being with Riley um even though he's the most stable person he's the one that's best for her like if Buffy was going to choose somebody that was good for her it would be Riley um and then she talks about Angel for a second with Willow she's like even seeing Angel for five minutes I mean hello to the pain um and 
That's just kind of funny to me. Um, cause she didn't see him for five minutes. She doesn't remember what they went through together. <laughs> Wouldn't you know though? I mean, her body still went through it, right? I mean, can you really, I mean, I guess if you're erasing time, you're erasing all of it. But I was just thinking, you know, like if I had had a lot of sex and I'm not used to having a lot of sex, I feel like I, I would feel it in my body. And then I would feel like, oh my God, what happened to me? Did, did I get date raped? Like what's happening? <laughs> but, um, that's just me thinking too far into it. Okay. Um, Spike is in the tub. He's still at Giles's house from Pang's last week because, under the guise that they're trying to get information from him about the initiative since he was captured by them and he's not really given up much information because he really doesn't know anything he's just sort of stalling because i don't even think he has his own place like he was just staying with harmony or i guess they had the place together but harmony kicked him out and now, you know, he doesn't know where he fits in the world. So, so he goes to Buffy and Giles. And so Giles has had him in his house for a few days and he's chained up in the tub. Um, let's see, Spike. Oh, um, another moment of Spike always knows the emotional, lovesick turmoil that someone else is going through. Giles and Buffy have a little conversation um, about like, How's Willow doing? Well, I think she's doing better. I mean, she still has a little bit to go, but I think she's doing okay. And Spike says, are you all blind? She's hanging on by a thread. Um, so it's just a nice moment of remembering the, the emotional intelligence of Spike is high, even if no other form of intelligence for him really is. Um, the next scene is we see Willow in Oz's um, room again, but now it's been completely cleared out. Um, and then the next scene after that is Willow crying in her, in her sad little plaid, sad plaid pajamas. She's crying to Buffy going, I feel like I've been split in half. She says they have, um, that Oz sent for his stuff. So like now he's really gone. Um, and this is painful, but I feel like this is probably the closure that she needed. I mean, if he's sent for his stuff, I mean, I could see her, like, I could see myself doing that, honestly. Like, cause he, he just lived with like his bandmates in a house. So I'm sure they would let him, let her in. So I could see myself like going there and just hanging out amongst his stuff and wondering when he was going to come back. But now there's nothing to go to. So like, yeah, that's painful in the moment, but this is a good sign. She can finally start getting some closure now, but this kind of sets her off and her pain is even worse after this moment. Um, my next note was minty mug. I just like to point out when, when we see the minty milk glass Giles mug, it still exists. Um, earlier Spike was drinking blood from a straw out of a yellow, kiss the librarian mug. I probably don't even need to say it out loud, but that mug, the kiss the librarian mug is my, um, coveted object of the episode. <laughs> um, and specifically this one, 
Like, I wouldn't want just, like, a white mug that says Kiss the Librarian. You know, it would have to be that bright yellow, like, sort of 70s-looking Kiss the Librarian mug. So if you guys know where to get one of those, let me know. Because... <laughs> I mean, even though I don't technically have a master's degree in library science, I have worked in a library for 15 years, so I think I've already decided I'm allowed to call myself a librarian, even though technically you're not supposed to unless you have a master's in library science. I don't care. I have the experience. 15 years is enough to call yourself a librarian. So if any of y'all are listening right now and you've worked in a library, even if you've worked in a library only 10 years, I say at least 10 years, you get to call yourself a librarian, honey. You've done it. You've made it. <laughs> especially in a public library because public libraries can be can have a lot of challenges and um yeah like I have learned so much about like empathy and customer service and just how to talk to all different kinds of people in all different upbringings of their life and all different cultures and it's it's just the most amazing thing. It has taught me so much about humanity, um, working in a public library. Anyway, you guys are here for that. Uh, I'm going on a lot of personal rants tonight. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I think this might be the first time we hear Spike talking about passions. So he's like in the tub and Giles' TV has been like hooked up next to the tub. So essentially... I guess Spike is just like watching TV while he's chained up in the tub all day at Giles' house. And um, he starts like at one point whining about like, because he can't reach, because he's chained up in the tub, he can't reach the TV to turn it on. So he's like yelling to Giles, it's telly time, Passions is on. <laughs> Which, how does he know? He doesn't have a watch. Anyway, um, just pretty funny. Um, okay, we go to the picnic, Buffy and Riley, and they're having a moment together. Like, he's talking about taking her for a drive, and, and it all sounds very idyllic and, like, you know, 50s country boy. She's dating a 50s country boy, you know? And it's kind of cute. And then Willow shows up, and she just sucks all the air out of the picnic, you know? This is a really relatable scene, I think, because, like, I have both been Willow in this situation and been Buffy in this situation. I currently have, um, I don't think he's ever going to listen to this, so I'm going to, apparently I'm going on another personal de detour. <laughs> um, I currently have a friend who is, he's not yet going through a breakup, but I think it's coming, and he's been going through some changes in his life recently and there's just been a lot of he's gotten to this point where it's way past the time that he should have taken some action um not just in ending this relationship but just other assertive actions to take control of his own life and he's just gotten to a point where since he hasn't taken those actions for himself he's just sort of internalized it he's internalized it for a long time and it's starting to seep out on other people and he's starting to like misdirect and he's been like mopey af for a while now and it's gotten to the point where he just he does that he's doing this willow thing where he's just sucking all the air out of a room because because he feels powerless because he hasn't taken control and um 
And I know like depression can manifest in a lot of ways. And sometimes with depression, you just really don't have the energy to take control of your life. You just don't have it. And it sucks. And it's totally, I understand it. Like I've been there, but being this person like Willow's being to her friends, like I can understand how exhausting it is. Like, even though it's understandable that she's in this space right now, that doesn't mean it doesn't suck. It doesn't mean it's not taxing on her friends and family. You know, like it's annoying, in fact, to watch someone like just sucking all the air out of the room because you know that they could feel better if they would just pull their head out of their ass and do something about it. But I understand what it feels like to be in that position too, when you just, you also know you need to pull your head out of your ass and do something, but you just don't have the energy to do it. So this is just really realistic, the way that she's dealing with this pain. And I think that it's nice that they're giving it the weight that it deserves. Um, they're actually like letting a character development and a you know, a character arc play out in someone other than Buffy for once. So that's nice. Um, let's see, Picnic. Buffy's an avid pedestrian. Willow intrudes with her sadness. Willow is drunk. So we're at the bronze later and she has, she's suddenly happy. She's okay. She's dancing. And you find out she's been drinking and you know, they get all self-righteous about it, which sucks. Like, I hate that the show does this. Like, do you really need to get super self-righteous about Willow having a few beers when she's in pain right now? I don't think so. I don't like that, but whatever they do it. Um, rituals in the dorm bathroom is my next note. So many candles. I paused it and counted. So she, she gets up in the middle of the night and she, cause she's talked to Buffy about like, I just want this to be over. I'm sick of feeling this way. And like, why can't I just like make it stop? You know? Oh, what is she? I did write it down. Willow doesn't want to wait. Can't I just make it go poof? Um, and this is very, very true to her character. She does this. She doesn't want to like, remember when she cheated on Oz and then like she hounded him constantly and he had to say, look, bitch, I need some time. You're going to have to actually respect my wishes and leave me alone. And you know, she just feels so guilty that she's just hounding him every single second. Cause she just wants, she wants to snap her fingers and the pain to be over, which is why magic is such a dangerous thing for Willow. So she gets up in the middle of the night and she opens her little trunk at the end of the bed that has a bunch of magic stuff in it, witchcraft stuff in it. And then she goes to the dorm bathroom and sits in the middle of the floor of the dorm bathroom, which that dorm bathroom floor is way cleaner than any dorm bathroom floor really would be. Um, but she makes this giant circle of blood red pillar candles. Like she's in a dorm, a co-ed dorm. In fact, like someone could walk in at any moment to go pee in the middle of the night and she's doing dark rituals in the bathroom which reminds me I think I mentioned this on a podcast on another episode or else I talked about it on my radio show I can't remember but there's just like this cross stitch pattern that you can buy on Etsy that is please don't summon demons in the bathroom <laughs> I just love that. It just seems like something that my mom would have had up, um, in our house growing up. But, um, this reminds me of that. Please don't summon demons in the bathroom, Willow. So I paused it to count the candles 21 and they look like, 
mom could tell me. They're probably three by six pillar candles. So like three inches in diameter, six inches tall. So they're tallish. They could even be nine, three by nine. Um, so they're kind of thick, tall, blood red pillar candles, 21 of them. How many fucking trips would she have had to take from her dorm room to the dorm bathroom, wherever it is on her floor in relativity to their room? care to carry all those fucking candles in there but anyway she's doing a spell to have her will be done and it goes the flames get all crazy and it goes nuts and whatever so you think it didn't work um giles comes over the next morning to talk to willow because he says he's worried about her because she was supposed to like help him with the truth spell to like force spike to tell the truth so they can finally get out of him whatever information they need to get out of him. And she just doesn't show up, which is completely unlike her. Um, she just totally forgot. So he tells her that he's worried about her. Um, and she starts talking about, you know, that she did this, the will be done spell. She tells him about it. And he says, your energy is too unfocused. Take a break from doing spells without supervision. <laughs> Um, as she gets super defensive, like I mentioned earlier, and this is where she says, um, you know, he's being very understanding. He's, he's saying, you know, I know that this feels awful right now. Um, and he's just trying to talk to her. He's, he's being very real and sweet and caring. I think I, I wasn't, my hackles didn't get raised by this conversation at all. Like, but I can understand whenever you're in that space and you just feel like everyone wants you to shut up about being upset, um, that you could get defensive about it. And she always gets defensive about the magic stuff because she deep down knows that she's going in over her head from the very fucking beginning. She's gone in over her head, you know, but, um, she, she yells to him, you don't see anything. And then you see like a spark in her eyes um, which is actually kind of a decent effect because it looked like lightning in her irises. Um, and it looked decent, you know, the effects have gotten slightly better over the years, guys. <laughs> um, so the next scene, anyway, so at this point, Giles gets all confused and, you know, he's having trouble seeing, he runs into someone when he leaves, um, in the dorm hallway. Um, so the next scene is Giles trying to do a truth spell against Spike. He's like waving sage around his head and like doing some incantations, but he can't read the spell book and he's just having more and more trouble seeing. Um, okay. There's this little moment where Willow's cleaning out Amy's cage. Um, Amy the rat. And she's talking to Buffy and she's whining about Giles being there and like, I'm going through something, you know, and Buffy's just, she's over it. You know, Buffy doesn't have a lot of tolerance for, for Eeyore friends. Um, she's doing the best she can and it's honestly better than I expected she would do, <laughs> but, um, it's still not great. Anyway, there's this little moment where, because she's done this will be done spell, she at one point says, one minute. Amy's a human. And then, um, the rat who is on the bed because she's cleaning out his cage, her cage. Um, she turns into Amy 
the human. And then she's like, and then she's a rat. And then she turns into a rat. So neither of them see it happen. Um, so that was just a nice little moment. We don't see Amy again until season six. So that's another little foreshadowing moment with season six. Um, I, you know, they, I think the writers don't normally have this much of a foresight. So I kind of wonder if like Joss and the other writers were inspired by the things that happened in this episode to kind of formulate the character arc of season six. I mean, this is probably somewhere that they were going in general. and This is just one of the episodes that kind of evokes it pretty easily in us. Um, but it's just kind of, the more I talk about it, the more brilliant this episode seems to me. <laughs> when I had in the past just thought of it as, you know, a funny throwaway episode. Um, let's see, where are we? Um, Giles doing the truth spell. Yes, I said that. Um, at one point Willow says, I don't know what you're worried about. You're going to find him in two seconds because Spike has like taken advantage of Giles being kind of confused and, um, he was able to unlock his chains and he got away. And so Buffy had to leave talking to Willow to go um, capture Spike and bring him back to Giles. And so she does find him right away because that's part of Willow's unintentional spell. She says something about, why don't you just marry him? Because she goes, at that point, Willow goes over to Xander's house to like whine at him for a while and just like everybody's just, they can't take it anymore. And I mean, it's a thing. When you're going through something big, you really do just like obsess and ruminate. And I think I'm kind of being hard on Willow because that's kind of how I am. Like when I'm going through a breakup, I am intolerable. Like I'm crying and like I can't think about anything else. I can't focus on anything else. And I'm just obsessing and ruminating. And I... Back in the day, whenever I first really, really got into Buffy, it was 2001, and I was in the space, sort of, the space of, like, I had been dating a bad boy, quote-unquote, for five years, and it was way past due that I'd leave him, and I was slowly coming to terms with that, and I hadn't fully realized it yet, and where am I going with this story? <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> I had to pause it for a second. Take a drink of water and just like think about it. What was I talking about? What was we talking about? Um, but I used to like, I'd watch Buffy right before bed, like every night. And during this time period, it was when season six was airing. <laughs> season six has always got a a soft spot for me because I really needed it to deal with some of the angst that I was personally going through in my life at that time. It was just, it was perfect. Um, and it still just really gets me. It's, it's, I think it's a really good season, even though a lot of people don't like it. But anyway, I'd watch Buffy every night before bed and I would, I would dream about being in the show. Um, and I would always, I'd wake up and I'd be like pissed off because I would always dream from the perspective of Willow and I wanted to be a Buffy or a Faith or a Drusilla. You know, I wanted to be somebody edgy and cool, but I would be, it was, and it was telling to me even at the time, I would be like, 
okay, there's probably a psychological reason why I think I'm willow because I'm also like that. I'm impatient. I want to like fix things immediately. I do not want to go through pain. I want to solve them immediately. And if I had a magic, um, help button where I could just escape through magic, I would do that. You know, I have the trappings of an addictive personality. I just don't have access to a lot of addictive substances, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I, anyway, okay. Another stupid detour. Sorry guys. Okay. So at this point, um, Willow has said, why don't they just get married? She says this to Xander and she also says you're a demon magnet. So these are the things that get enacted. So demons start coming after Xander. Buffy and Spike, excuse me, I'm burpy because I'm, I shouldn't drink like carbonated water when I'm doing a podcast. Have I learned nothing? Um, so Spike and Buffy are acting like they just got, got engaged. It's insane, <laughs> but it's funny. Um, Giles needs a drink, skull ring. So I guess like when Spike was proposing to Buffy, he just gave her whatever ring he had on, which is like this big skull head with red jewel eyes that fits her tiny little ring finger perfectly. Like, what did he have that on? I guess maybe his pinky or something. But, um, at one point I, I wrote down Spike left-handed in this. So there's a moment where he's like, where Buffy's like sitting on his lap and he's like taking notes in a notebook or something. Cause they're planning the wedding or whatever. And he's writing with his left hand. I don't know if it's just because they were trying to make the shot make sense or something. So they had him pretend to write with his left hand. So I don't know if he's naturally left-handed, but that's something that I just like to, to keep my eye out for. Like Anthony Stewart head is for sure left-handed. Um, it's just, I always notice because I'm left-handed and it's just, it's different. Like you notice immediately or I do anyway. Um, she asked Giles to give her away. So there's a sweet little moment where she talks to Giles. Um, and she basically says, I know my dad doesn't live that far away, but I mean, this day is about family. So she basically says to Giles, you're my real dad, you know, which is sweet. Um, and he kind of gets swept up in it for a second, but he's like, what are you talking about? This is insane. You're obviously under a spell. Something's making you act like this. Um, one little moment that I just thought was sweet. So they sort of put it together that, um, Giles and Buffy and Spike sort of put it together that Giles knows that he's under a magic spell. He, for some reason knows that the reason why he's blind is because of a spell. Um, I can't remember why he knows that, but he just does. He knows it's magic related and immediately. So Buffy's like, okay, what are we going to do? Immediately Spike stands up and goes over to like pick up some of Giles's books. And he's like, well, what you need is a standard blah, 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 reversal spell or something. And just like without even thinking about it, because he's now engaged to Buffy, he will help Giles and respect Giles. And this is also consistent with Spike's character. Like when he finds out that when he discovers that he's in love with Buffy, he is very respectful and kind and protective of everyone she loves, uh, with the exception of Riley. 
Um, he would, you know, go to the ends of the earth to protect Don and Joyce. And, you know, he is like this right now towards Giles. Just immediately starts helping him and trying to figure out what spell to do to help him with his blindness. Even though he doesn't really like Giles. But it doesn't matter because Buffy likes her. Likes him. Um, at one point Giles says, it's alright. I have more scotch. Because uh, he's just taken to drinking at this point because it's super annoying how Buffy is being with Spike. Um, and it's just funny. Just lots of funny moments in this episode of um, Anthony Stewart Head really does well at being like annoyed by people. So he's super annoyed by Buffy and it's funny. Um, Riley sees Buffy like out looking at, so she goes to get like ingredients for the spell and Spike stays behind to like hang out with Giles or whatever. Um, so Buffy goes out and she like gets distracted looking at a wedding dress in a window and Riley happens to see her and then she's like, oh my God, Riley, I hope that you'll still be friends, that we can still be friends. I'm marrying him and we argued for years and maybe it's because we secretly loved each other. Hey, more foreshadowing for season six. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, and of course he's very confused and this is kind of a funny moment because at first he's just like, what? I don't, what? I'm very tired now. I need to go away. And he just sort of like confused and sort of stumbles home. Um, so that was a good moment. Giles, um, at one point, like Buffy and Spike are like making out and he's like, stop it. I can hear the smacking, <laughs> which is just perfect. Um, anyway, like whatever. So I just like, don't feel like talking about it anymore. <laughs> Xander and Anya show up because they've been chased by demons, like all the way to Giles's house. Um, at one point, um, you know, they're talking about Giles being blind and Xander like waves his fingers in front of Giles's face and he's like, stop whatever you're doing. You smell like fruit roll-ups, <laughs> which is a callback to the earlier scene where he and Anya were having fruit roll-ups with his mom or whatever. And then we get De Hoffren. I'm not sure if we've ever seen De Hoffren before this moment, but he is the like head vengeance de- well, I would think that we saw him whenever Anya was first introduced, but I can't remember. Um, let me know if you guys know, mixtressradio at gmail. Um, but so we see De Hoffren and he comes to Willow and I think this is, I just think this is good. This whole episode is just structured really well, I think. So he basically tells Willow, like, your pain is like screaming th through the walls of the dimensions. Like we can hear it. And what you've done to your friends is really like amazing torture or whatever. So this is, he kind of shows her a window into what they're going through right now because of her spell. And she, at this point, up to this point, she didn't know that it even worked as it went horribly because all she wanted to do with this spell was heal her broken heart immediately. She wanted a quick fix. She didn't want to affect anyone else. Um, so he shows her like a little window into the torture that they're going through. And then he says, you know, he wants to recruit her as a vengeance demon. He thinks that she has real potential. Um, 
And she, to his credit, she says, no, I don't want to be a demon. Send me back to my friends. I want to help my friends. And he just immediately is like, oh, well, I'm disappointed, but okay. And he like gives her a talisman. He's like, here's my talisman. Um, if you change your mind, give us a chant. <laughs> and then he poof takes her exactly to where they are, which is inside a crypt at this moment. And like Spike and Buffy are making out while Anya and Xander are fighting on fighting off a bunch of demons and she's able willow just suddenly knows exactly how to end the spell she knows exactly what to say and she just ends the spell which it makes sense that like she would be the only one that could break the spell i wrote down for some reason i um i sometimes do a little bit of invoking like not super serious but i do like witchy things where i like candles and like like candles and incense and I say like words like I like to kind of chant a little bit so I wrote down some of what um Anya at one point she's trying to summon to Hoffman because she thinks maybe if she can summon him she can convince him to like break the spell or whatever um this is before Willow comes back and breaks it herself obviously and so um what she says to try to invoke Dehoferin is, Blessed be in the name of Dehoferin. Let the space now be a gateway. We come in supplication. So that's something that, like, every time I, like, if I'm going to do some sort of chanting or something or, like, invoking or whatever, if I'm saying, like, ritualistic words ever, they always come from, like, pop culture. <laughs> like, um, I don't know, this is probably not something that anyone has seen, but Blair Witch 2 was a movie that happened um and one of the women one of the characters was like wiccan and at one point she would say by earth and fire and water and smoke persephone i invoke by earth and fire and water and smoke persephone i invoke so i say that sometimes like i'll substitute persephone for something else you know that i'm trying to invoke and <laughs> i just always think about that because it's you're calling in the four elements and it rhymes, you know? <laughs> so um, I might start using that. Blessed be in the name of Buffy. Let this space now be a gateway. We come in supplication. I don't know if I like the supplication part, though. Sounds too worshipy, you know? Anyway, um, so I wrote that down. Let's go ahead and get into the ratings, since I have just devolved into total craziness today. Outfit of the episode... Buffy had one that was kind of cute. It was like a sort of an olive green tank top and a leopard skirt, but she had paired it with some really ugly like slip-on rubber shoes or something. Like I assume that like she didn't realize that her shoes were going to be in the shot at any point. Um, so she was just wearing whatever comfortable shoes she had on her at the time. Um, you don't often get to see the shoes that people are wearing in this show I've noticed because I'll be like "Ooh, that might be the outfit of the episode and then I'll like make a note in my mind to pay attention to what shoes they're wearing and then you'll never get to see what fucking shoes they're wearing um because that you know it tops off the outfit like you gotta see the shoes <laughs> um but I think the actual outfit is Willow was actually wearing some cute things in this episode um but my favorite was when she's walking with Buffy while they're patrolling. Um, she's wearing like this really crazy poncho 
um, like a knit poncho. And then in the next scene, they're at Giles's house and she's taken the poncho off. So you see what the rest of the outfit is. And she's wearing, I believe they're corduroys. Um, they have some sort of texture to them. So I'm just going to say they're corduroys. So they're like dark red corduroys and like a, an almost navy, but not quite that dark sheer top um, with like kind of an orangey, sort of a pale orange tank top underneath it and it's just real cute she looks cute it's a great outfit so willow gets outfit of the episode i don't know what the quote of the episode is because i mean there were a lot of funny moments but just like saying them by themselves there aren't really any great quotes hmm. god i'm so burpy sorry guys look i feel gross burping at you but i just can't stop I will try to refrain from carbonated water beverages next week. I think I'm just going to give it to Giles whenever he says, stop, whatever you're doing, you smell like fruit roll-ups, which by itself doesn't sound that funny, but it was. Just trust me. Definitely just Giles' overall just like exasperated demeanor with everyone. Um, I love it because it makes total sense. You know, he's like... At this point, he's probably in his late 40s, early 50s, and having to hang out with all these, like, ridiculous teenagers, and that is his, like, worldview, is just hanging out with a bunch of ridiculous teenagers. Like, it makes sense that he would just be exasperated with them all the time, because it's like he has a bunch of children, and he didn't ask for children. MVP of the episode, um, hmm. Oh, the object of the episode, like I said earlier, is the Kiss the Librarian mug. Um, MVP. I'm going to give it to Riley because, you know, he was really sweet to Buffy asking her on a picnic date. He was really sweet to Buffy during the picnic date. He was sweet to Willow whenever she crashed the picnic date. He was super sweet and tolerant and forgiving of Buffy whenever she like made up some lame story to apologize to him. Um, after the spell was broken the next day when she had to like be like I just had to give you a hard time you saw me looking at wedding dresses and he's like so you pretended you were engaged and she's like yep he's like so you're insane she's like yep <laughs> and then I thought they were gonna kiss there's a lot of like he a couple of different moments in this episode he sort of looks at her like he's gonna kiss her but then he doesn't um I don't know. I just, I was very charmed by Riley in this episode. The lesbian alliance sign, you know, he's doing a good deed for his fellow um, classmates. Anyway, <laughs> I like Riley in this episode. So five by five ratings. Treatment of women. I mean, at this point in the series, I feel like at this point in the series, Marty Noxit is already showrunner, I think. So we're going to have a lot less outright sexist episodes of Buffy. <sighs> so like, I'm just, I feel like I'm just constantly giving it like a, well, it was fine because I don't think there were really, there really weren't at all any sexist moments except when Buffy was asking Giles to give her away. That phrase is really triggering to me. Um, most of like the wedding ritual shit is 
very sexist, very antiquated. Um, but that's pretty nitpicky to be focusing on that, which is something that I do. <laughs> but so, you know, it's still just kind of middle of the road. Nothing really pissed me off. Nothing was super sexist in this episode. So I'll give it a three. Um, as far as enjoyability this episode, this episode is completely enjoyable. It's a solid episode of Buffy. Um, it's not like super over the top, like best episode ever, but it's good. It's solid. So I'll give it a four. So that means this episode gets a 12 as the overall score. So let's talk about Angel, shall we? Okay. First, just because it's funny. I'm going to read you my notes for Angel. So I didn't, like I said, I didn't take any notes for the Angel episode Hero on the day that I watched it. But after like just sitting here and like thinking about it and what am I going to say about this episode, here's what I wrote. Angel, Hero. Bechdel, no. Doyle dies. Passes visions to Cordelia. The scourge equals Nazis. That's it. That's my whole summation of the Angel episode. Um, it's funny, like, we were watching it. This is the one where, let's read the summary in Nikki Stafford's episode guide for Angel. Shall we? Let's do. Where is it? It's harder to read because of the candlelight. L.A. is besieged by an army of the apocalypse. An army of the apocalypse? And a prophecy states that only a sacrifice of the promised one can stop it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a... Usually her episode summaries are really good, but that is not what I would have wrote. I would have wrote, Doyle dies, passes visions to Cordelia. <laughs> um, so I had forgotten that this is the one where Doyle dies. I thought that we had him all season in the first season. Um, and in the beginning of this episode, um, there were just a lot of every, everything was basically focused on Doyle because they knew that he was going to get killed off at the end of the episode. So we're getting some sort of character development of Doyle. And for a second I was like, oh, well, I kind of like it. Like I've been completely unmoved by him as a character every other episode. But in this episode I was like, oh, I don't know. He's kind of okay. I'm kind of glad that we get to have him for the rest of the season. <laughs> but I had completely forgotten that he dies at the end. So this one's just centered around, there's just like a big Nazi parallel of all these demons that are like hiding under floorboards and stuff, like because this certain race of other demons is more pure bred than they are and is coming after them. And uh, Doyle has a vision and it turns out like he had had a vision about this particular situation when he first his very first vision was about them, but he didn't know how to react to it. He didn't act in time. He didn't know what the visions were. And so he feels personally responsible to helping them this time around. And the whole episode is like, who is a hero? And in the beginning, it's like, well, Angel's the hero. Angel's the hero. But then you find out that Doyle is actually a hero too. And, you know, he has some things to atone for, like, a lot of the conversations between Angel and Doyle, like they are shown as being really close in these first few episodes of the series. Like you just get a lot of, a lot of intimate Doyle and Angel time, honestly, <laughs> a little too much, I think. Um, but a lot of people are into it, so it's fine. 
you know, totally cool. I just personally didn't really care for Doyle as a character, except this one episode. Like, he was able to really pull it together in this episode and be super charming. And it's fine. He's finally outed as a demon to Cordelia. Um, there's lots of moments where like Cordelia at one point is like, when are you going to ask me to dinner? Like basically she's into Doyle and, um, you know, there's a couple of little moments where you think, oh, they're going to get to get together eventually. And then Doyle dies. He sacrifices himself at the end of the episode. Um, but right before he does that to save these people. Um, so right before he does that, he kisses Cordelia um, and passes the visions onto her. And you see it happen. You see like the glow go between them. And of course she doesn't know what's happened yet, but, um, so he kisses her and then he jumps into something that somebody had to jump on to cut the cables of whatever. And he dies and that's it. That's the end of Doyle. And overall I'm okay with that because like I said, he, poor guy. I mean, the actual actor died in, I think, 2002. So, and this was 99. So he didn't have much longer on this earth. And I think that, I don't actually know the details, but I think it was like a drug overdose or um, something related to depression and drug abuse. So, um, it's very sad because I, I mean, I don't know the drama. If you guys do, let me know. Mixtures radio at Gmail. I don't know the drama, but I would assume that someone that's going through that kind of thing might've been really distracted, might've been hard to work with. Um, so it's possible that they wrote this. It's possible that they assumed that he was going to be around longer. And then, um, they decided to get rid of him if he was difficult. Um, I don't know, which is heartbreaking because if he had, I mean, I don't want to put any of like, I am literally just talking out my ass right now, but it's possible. Um, if they had kept him on and kind of helped him work through his issues and really got behind him and built him up, maybe he would have been able to get through that and then he wouldn't have died in 2002. But I mean, that's putting a lot of responsibility on his employers. Um, so I don't want to do that necessarily. I don't know what he was going through. I don't know. I don't know any of the circumstances. Maybe it was just as simple as like Alexis, um, Denisoff who plays, um, Wesley, who's going to be here soon. Like, I think we don't have very long before Wesley shows up. It's possible that he just sort of like let Joss we know that he was available and Joss was like, oh uh, yeah, we don't need any more dudes on this show though. Let's kill Doyle. I don't like him yet. Um, it's possible. I don't know. Like again, talking out my ass, but, um, it is still sad to see him die. Um, anytime you see someone die on screen that actually died tragically soon thereafter, it's really heartbreaking, you know, like. Brandon Lee died during the shooting of The Crow. And so every time you see, like, I mean, basically it was like one of the guns had a real bullet in it or something, and he died while they were filming. So every time I watch that movie, 
and you know you see like him being riddled with gunfire you're like oh god is this it is this it i mean surely they didn't put that take in <laughs> or anything but like you know it's just heartbreaking to watch and then and then alia in queen of the damned she dies she's a vampire in that movie and she she died before that movie came out she died um in a plane crash and like i heard that it was by fire that she died or something that might not be true but i know she died in a plane crash and so like in the movie she gets burned like she gets burned to ash and you see her slowly getting burned and it's just so like spooky to watch her going through that when you know that like she at that point while she was filming that she had you know months left in her life you know anyway sorry not to get all tragic on you guys this has been a night of weirdness um i am very tired <laughs> i think i'm just like I've been like super tired the last couple of days. I think I'm just overstimulated from like all the family time and all that stuff. And, um, it's just, it's been a lot, but in a good way. So I'm just ready to kind of like put my pajamas on, um, and kind of put my feet up, maybe watch a movie or something. Um, I'm just sort of ready for that portion of my night to begin. <laughs> she says at... Oh, it's only like 9:45. Wow, I'm getting done early tonight. <laughs> I might actually have this uploaded before um before it's technically the day after, before Sunday. So anyway, um what are my ratings for Angel? So it, this episode did not pass the Bechdel test. There were like no women in this episode at all whatsoever. Like all the demons were dudes. Like possibly all of them. There might have been some background, some women in the background or something, but I don't remember even seeing them. Like, basically, Cordelia is the only female character in this entire episode. Oh my god, you guys, I got my calendar for next year. I always have a mini wall calendar that I keep up in my um, Tiny Nook desk space. And I went through it, and like I like to write down the Buffy episodes in my calendar so I know whatever. And I started looking ahead with the angel episodes. Like, when do we get Fred? Like, when do we get Fred? And it's not going to happen until 2021, guys. It's like season, it's either the end of season two or the beginning of season three that we finally get Fred. So we don't have another like female character added to the cast of angel, regular female character until Fred. And that's a long time from now. We're going to get Wesley pretty soon. We're going to get Gunn pretty soon, but essentially Cordelia is just the lone woman. I mean, we get, I mean, we have Kate, but we don't have Kate for that long. Anyway, this is just a very dude-centric show. Um, so there's going to be a lot of episodes that don't pass the Bechdel test, and this is one of them. Um, as far as like five by five ratings, treatment of women, I mean... Cordelia is not treated unkindly at any point, but she's the only woman. So the mere fact that she's the only woman means that treatment of women's score for this episode needs to be pretty low. So I'm going to give it a two. It's 
far as enjoyability of the episode, like, I think it's a well-structured, I mean, it was, I don't even know if I could say that. It was fine. It got a point, it got across the point that, like, maybe Doyle is a hero too, and he's gotta go now. Bye. Now Cordelia has the visions. I think it's a little too early to think that Cordelia has gone through enough character development to be ready to take on the take on the visions. However, they don't sort of like make I mean we don't know why Doyle was chosen to take to get the visions initially and like from what we know about him, he was kind of a shiftless layabout before he got the vision so it's not like she needs to be like super awesome and worthy of the visions necessarily so I take that back but um yeah I mean it was fine it was fine this episode was fine I'm gonna give it a two though because I didn't really like it that much and I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because I'm not attached to Angel the show like this is my third time watching it right now because I watched it once all the way through like close to the time that it came out and then I watched it another time all the way through with my Michael at some point and then this is the third time and I really I should start making a list of Angel episodes I actually truly enjoy um, so that I can remember later on like these are the only like 10 angel episodes that I need in my life here they are yeah I should do that and I can I can start now since we're only like nine episodes in at this point okay so that means that this episode gets a four <laughs> it's fine um it sucks that like you know Doyle's send-off wasn't really that memorable to me but that's just how it is and there you go. Um, I hope you guys are having an awesome week, weekend, month. I mean, by the time you hear this, it's probably December. Um, so happy December, guys. Um, I'm gonna put on my pajamas now. So, bye. Bye!